I'm Dwayne Brummett, he's Ali Albarigo, and this is the School Owner Talk Podcast. Hello, Dwayne Brummett here with Ali Albarigo, schoolandertalk.com. Uh, good morning, sir, and uh, sorry for all the uh, technical flipping difficulties here. It's okay. It used to be me. I, I almost feel good that it's not me anymore, but we had licked the whole problem. We figured it out. We got it all working. Now, all of a sudden, I wonder what changes, software updates without us knowing and that kind of thing. Let me make sure we have audio on the podcast. Okay. It doesn't seem that that's working. Um, well, I have uh, bars that are showing that, that – you know, yeah, it's picking I, up audio. I'm playing the Facebook, but it's not playing on there. So let's ask if anybody's on here, if they could hear us on here. Okay. Um, but I don't see anyone yet making any comments. I'm going to say, can anyone hear us? Um, can well, you... And either way, it's being recorded. So okay. It, it would look silly if we do the whole podcast silent and then they have to listen to it at a later date. But, um, okay. So we're here anyway. So let's see if anyone, um, pops in and can hear us. I'm going to refresh my Facebook feed and see if that changes anything too. Okay. Yeah. yeah it th doesn't seem to be giving me audio. Weirdest thing. Very weird. Well, my I, I, is it going to give you audio while your, uh, videos going? And you can't get on your phone and look because you're. No, I'm actually, I'm actually, normally when I watch on Facebook, I could hear the audio. Yeah. Um, and then I'd have to mute it when I'm watching it so that I don't, it doesn't play out. Yeah. So let me look let's see. Uh, on my iPad here and see what I can see if we got anything. Yeah. Play out. Yeah, so it's working. Let me let's see. Okay. Weird. So weird. Maybe it's on my end on the playback. I might have to reboot next time. Yeah, maybe maybe this whole problem is on your end. It could be. Then <laughs> it, it's back to me again. So, so so anyway, we have a good call today, right? We were talking about you know um, instructors, right, and and building the instructor base and bench strength and all that other stuff. So like, what what are your thoughts? Like, is this going to be a good call? I think it's pretty relevant these days too. Yeah. And um, I don't know that I thought about this when I first started. And what I mean by that was, you know, I'm, I'm going to teach all the classes and, you know, I'm in charge or whatever, you know what I mean? All right, that, that right. stuff. Um, and, you know, when you first start out, you don't have any any bench strength for the most part so you know yeah. you know we're opening up a second location we have a yeah. few students already that have signed up and um i've got it's a one-man show so my right. uh you know master kent is there and he's teaching everybody all on his own right he's got no help mm -hmm. uh, which is a great experience for him because it you know i think it's a, a very not that he's not humble but i think it's a very um different outlook <laughs> Uh, or a different perspective than what right. he's used to because he's grown up in, you know, a culture that you've had storm team members, you've had instructors, yada, 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 um, right. or leadership members or however you, you guys are calling your, your uh, bench strength. Yeah. And he's never had to, you know, utilize uh, or, or be as creative uh, on his own. Right. Right. 
and so I think that that's a good thing. But I think it's also good uh, in order for us to, in order for us as, as studio owners to grow, we need to build that bench strength because sicknesses, yeah. vacations, um, um, you know, somebody gets hurt. Like you, you need uh, to have a depth right of of bench strength now how that looks all depends on what you what you want out of those things and so you know i think i did it i did it okay a long time ago if i had to restructure things from when i first started yeah um i i, I would do things differently so when i say i did it okay most of my school 90 especially in the beginning 98 percent of all my students were kids right and so all my bench strength were kids. Mm -hmm. um, and I already, I always utilize, like if I had white belts, um, I, I would utilize the next level, the yellow belts to help with the white belts if I was overwhelmed or there was too much going on or if they had too many students or whatever. So I was already at that time creating little leaders before they would become bigger leaders. Right, right. Since then, you know, we've incorporated our, leadership team which is just an upgraded program onto our storm team which is the instructor training program right uh, special team of role models and though that's the instructor training program um and you know again my my problem for me is i'm about 93 percent uh kids and only seven okay. percent adults right so every single one of my storm team members besides like two are kids and when i say okay. kids you know you're you're talking i don't know 10 10 to, to 13 to 14 right you know that type of thing uh moving in but all that you know all that being said i i think that the future of your school is the uh the mentoring of your your bench strength for a couple of different reasons not just because you know you might eventually hire them although that's true or you right. might eventually open up another second, third, whatever, fourth location. Yes, right. I think that's true. Mm -hmm. um, but the the deeper they're in, the more of a buy-in and the more of a um, experience that they can have with you and 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 the school. And then obviously, you know, your uh, ability to be able to mold and shape them becomes. Uh, even deeper because you you're going to have more of a personal relationship with them. So I have I have circles, um, and I have you know I got the the very center circle. There are only um, three people in that circle, right? And so Mr. Bean, Mr. Kent, and our program director. Those three people are in that center circle. Those are the most important people. Right. Studio. And then so I got my inner three. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I pull out the next level are all the other instructors. Yeah. Like paid, paid instructors. Yeah. The next circle are all the storm team members. Right. The next circle are all the uh, leadership members. And then the final well, not final, but the next circle is all of the general students that, you know, are obviously aren't in leadership yet. Right. And then, uh, you know, outside of that next circle are all the, you know, leads and prospects and those type of things. Now, yeah, with regards to those individuals and in those circles, 
of course, parents are involved inside of those circles. So when I say, you know, just a storm team member, well, that family is included in that. Okay. Does that, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, definitely. So I think categorizing your, um, your levels, if you will, and, you know, what I like, so for instance, what I'm going to talk to Master Bean about is going to be at a different level. I don't mean a higher level. I just right. mean at a, maybe even a, a, a deeper level. Mm -hmm. you know, of, of um, insider information than what I'm going to talk to, you know, a prospect about somebody that's on the outside right. circle. Right. Does that kind of make sense? Of course. Of course. Yeah. So I, I think that um, your bench, your, the ability to be able to create leaders like our, our, you know, that's what our tagline is, you know, creating liter, uh, creating leaders from day one, right. Your ability to be able to create leaders from prospect to white belt, to your upgrade program, to your you know your next upgrade program, to actually becoming an instructor, um, or and a studio owner at some point, you know those those uh, those levels one are important, but two need to be defined, and then you know the information that's going to be taught within those as well in order to move the individual forward. Yeah, and one thing back in the beginning of when you started talking about why we build Benstrand, I think one thing too that we have to remember is not only do we build it so that we can expand or we can teach less, but just for our own sanity as well, right? Like, so, you know, there as an instructor, maybe in the early days, you could start off teaching every, like I used to teach every class six days a week, day and night, five hours a night. And I would do every exercise with every single class. And as you get older, you start doing a little bit less of that. Um, but I've had teachers that I've hired that weren't from my, that, that were actually from outside my, um, my student base that I hired an instructor. And man, he couldn't even last two classes, a, a total of like a half hour and a 45 minute class combined an hour and 15 minutes without having to go have something to eat and take a break. I'm like, and this is a grown man that just couldn't handle it. Like, I'm like, you know, you need to toughen up a bit. But I think the sanity part is a very big thing because, you know, you could run a school, but you need some time on your own to take a break as well and, and recover from teaching or else, you know, what do they say? You know, all work and no play you know, makes you jack a dull boy or whatever that saying was, right? So we have to make sure that we're building that. One question though for you, Dwayne, like what, what are your thoughts on um, phases of instructors? Like, you know, we call that, you know, SWAT team or assistant instructor, assistant to the assist, uh, assistant in our school. In fact, we have three levels of leadership team, low, low, medium, and high in Japanese is called Gainin, Chunin, and Jonin. It's from the ninja training levels. Um, so we have three phases. One of them are just helpers. They help in the class. They learn to hold pads. They learn to, you know, do whatever. Then the other other level is assisting, doing warm ups, and helping teach a little, and 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 assisting the instructor as he teaches. And the third is when they could really do their own class all by themselves. I would have no problem leaving them in charge if I was going on vacation and I needed help. Yeah, and that's the kind of the levels I was talking about where you you right. know eventually you needed to define those. I don't know in the beginning that I did that. Right. Uh, I didn't define them. I just was, you know, it was based on what it, what the person was capable of doing uh, or yeah. what I thought that they were capable of doing or what at least they showed that they were capable of doing uh -huh. and then I would right. allow them to have that freedom uh, inside of that capability. 
I think a big hangup for many schools is that, and by the way, it, it could be pressure from the parents as well, because we build up this persona that a black belt is the most amazing person in the world. They're the toughest, they're the greatest, they're the smartest, they're the teacher, they're the sensei. Um, and then when we have an assistant teaching a class, parents or, or even the students at times feel that they're getting uh, inferior training. But when I first came up, I had no help at all, like you said before. And I would go away for a week, whether I was traveling with my teacher or whatever I was doing, I would leave my highest rank. And at the time it was a yellow belt in charge. And I would make sure that those students know that they should never, ever question that because number one, if I put them in charge, they're capable. And two, everybody could learn because if that was my highest rank at the time, everyone can learn from that high rank and learn all the basics. So we probably should have phases of instructors, like maybe like, I don't know, let's say our my belt level is beginner, white, yellow, green, blue, purple. So like maybe a blue belt could teach anything from like green and below. A purple belt could teach blue and below and, and a brown belt could teach, you know, purple and below. And then a black belt could teach everybody, right? Like that kind of thing. And that could be your standard of quality of levels of teachers so that people know they're getting a phase one teacher or a phase two teacher, similar to like in a, a doctor's assistant or an, you know, or a, uh, you know, an assistant teacher in school where they could run a class for the teacher and, and so on. Yeah, no, I, I, I have no problem with that. Yeah, we do chevrons. And so like once you finish the white belt material as a storm team member, uh, I know then you get a white chevron on your uniform. And now oh, I cool. visually can see you can you can teach white belts and now you're going to work. You Now you're working on the yellow belt material and then now you can teach the two levels of yellow belt once you get through and earn your yellow belt one. And that's those great things. Mm -hmm. Now, do you also have where um, those people could run a whole class? Like you have certain underbelts, like let's say the yellow with the one chevron. Can they run a beginner white belt class the entire class or they just assist? I wouldn't. I wouldn't okay. have them do that. Um, um, and, and the only reason I say that is because that's, you know, that's your first impression of, of, of everyone. I want right. either me or I want my head instructor to be running the white belts. Right. So, right. Um, but but I will have them work with pods. So I might say, look, he, here, these, these three are yours or these four students are yours. I need you to work on, you know, you're gonna hold the pad and work on front kick with them, or you're gonna hold the pad and work roundhouse kick with them, or you're gonna right. work on TriStar 4 number one with them. And that's, you know, that's what you're gonna do. Like, so last night, part of the curriculum was uh, belt tying. And I had, uh, I had what, three uh, storm team members with me. And I paired, uh, I paired, them up with each each of them had two students that they were awesome. working on you know tying the belt and then we spent you know three to three to four minutes belt tying uh and then my other white belts that have already been in it now for a month and a half um they already know how to tie their belt so i paired them up with some of the other kids that are still having a little trouble you know I, I love that you're doing that though that's a big problem in my school like and i told my instructor the head instructor in my school um i said we need to make sure these kids know how to tie their belts and I said that they shouldn't be able to be promoted to their next belt until they could tie their own belt. I mean, young, young kids, two to four year olds, I get it. But I'm talking like anywhere from like five year olds on up should basically learn how to tie their belts. It's almost like, you know, we invented Velcro sneakers so that the kids don't have to learn how to tie their shoes. Like, let's let's literally take everything and make it easier so that you don't have to worry about it. Like, didn't they? And do they still have for sale in some of the supply companies that Velcro belt that it has a knot and the tie on the left side and the Velcro and you just like go 
and then the belt's tied and then you take it off. You take it. It's like, to me, I, I think that we're, we're trying to always simplify and make everything so much easier for people that they end up losing quality. It's almost like teaching them how to shop in a supermarket and then throwing them in the middle of the woods and say, go find your food. You know, people are going to well, be looking for 7-Elevens, right? Last, yeah, last night I had two white belts who, um, you know, one girl knows how to tie her belt. The other one doesn't, but they both still have trouble with their left. Right, left and right. I have that even with teenagers. And, and I had them both put their hands out, you know, like this. Yep. And I said, which yep. one, you know, which one makes the L, you know, right. not, not a backwards L, but which one makes the L. Right. You know, and I, I just, I'm amazed. I am too, dude. I, I sometimes like, it was funny. Um, the other day, I think I mentioned this on one of the podcasts. Sometimes my, I do two of them a week, so they blend in together. But I was like, I literally had a kid, like the parents are like, we don't want to commit for a year. Um, you know, we're not sure, you know, we, we, you know, wanted to month to month. I'm like, I'm sorry, we don't do that. Meanwhile, in my head, I'm thinking your kid was the kid who was just licking on the floor. I'm not joking. He was literally licking the floor. So I'm like, if you want me to teach that kid, you better give me more of a commitment than, than just one month and me working my butt off. Like, you know, I'm like really honestly, so I don't know what's going on, but anyway, I, I, I digressed a little, but back to instructor level, um, I think it's important too. I think a lot of times instructors, school owners, they go, Hey, that guy is going to be a good instructor. That person will be a great instructor. And they hand pick or they only use, like I have a client that only uses brown belts and above in his leadership team. And I'm like, well, how many brown belts do you have? Maybe like eight. I go, and they, so that's why you have a very small pool of people to choose from. Like I start my leadership team with people from beginners, like and beginners don't even have a white belt yet. And if they show interest in learning how to teach, and my leadership team does more like public speaking, goal setting, time management, time slicing, you know, altruistic uh, nature and service before self. So they're learning way more than just learning how to teach. But I'll put someone in from the early stages and I'll start them as young as seven or eight years old in my leadership team. Because um, like you said before, I'm building bench strength. I want to know that if Johnny's sick and he usually takes the class that I could always rely on the next person in line or four more, right? And so building bench strength is super important for your own sanity. Yeah, most definitely. And um, I, I do it a little bit different. I mean, my my storm team, or excuse me, my leadership doesn't happen until after you've been in the program for um, a year. So okay. you get, once you graduate from your beginner levels and you're going into the intermediate, then you have an opportunity to, to apply for leadership. Awesome. Uh, storm team comes another six months after that, as long as you are in leadership. Um, you know, so That's great. It, it's just a little bit different. I used to do it where, you know, before your first belt and definitely before your second belt, I was trying to upgrade people, you know, into the, uh, the leadership program way, way back, you know, yeah. when, when they were hungry, um, right. and getting them to sign, uh, you know, a full year or excuse me, a, a, a four year agreement and stuff like that. Okay. I've since not, I don't do that anymore. Um, you know, now they're, now they're signing a, like a two and a half year agreement, but they've already been in it for a year. Right. Yeah. You see, I don't have any time. Like they, they would sign up in my school. The, the longest other than black belts is, uh, is one year. So if they sign up and they upgrade into our leadership team, we just renew their agreement and it's whatever their membership, if they're in the black belt club and leadership team, they pay, for that program. And um, yeah, I, I've been recruiting more and more people into that. And here's why I brought that up before. Like sometimes we're like, 
hey, that kid would be the best instructor ever. Um, but that kid, I don't think so. Like my guy now, Ryan, that runs my dojo, I, I've said this before. I don't think that I would have at the time when he was a teenager, I would have never really saw him as becoming the guy that he is now helping me run the school. He's going to be the inheritor of my school. Right. Like, so like, I would never have thought that about him back in the day. He was quiet, kind of quirky, a little bit, you know, a little bit odd at times with the way he, you know, immature. Um, but uh, now he's amazing. And he's like been with me for 17 years. So I urge the listeners that if they're building their leadership teams and they want to try to find more bench strength is like maybe have a criteria, a belt level and an age level, but then put it out there to everybody because you never know who your next superstar is going to be. They might not be showing you it right now, but they might be the next virtuoso best teacher ever and so on. So I think that that's super important. So what do you do in your leadership teams or like your instructor? Like I have my TLCD team leadership character development and instructor training program together. So what do you do? Like, what are some of your lessons that you do to prepare instructors or, or assistants to become instructors? Yeah. So our, my leadership, again, just leadership is different than storm. Okay. So just to kind of clarify that leadership is mainly, I mean, one is of course they get a different uniform. Second is they get to learn weapons, but then third is they learn leadership. Uh, they learn leadership qualities and skills uh, such as public speaking and, 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 uh, you know, time management, goal setting, those type of things. Right. Um, Cause every three months they have a little uh, a, a workbook that they have to read that, that I've created. And then they have um, uh, they, they have a, uh, a form to fill out, you know, from that workbook and they have to turn it in. Right. Right. And that's their leadership lesson for the three months. And so um, that's leadership moving on to storm. What I've done with storm is um, I've taken each belt level and I've chunked them all down to two months worth of information, teaching information in order to learn how to teach that level, except for white belts. White belts has, it, 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 teaching a white belt uh, or learning learning the white belt information to teach it is a three month process. And so the right. first, first, and by the way, um, there's a mental side and there's also a physical side to each month. Okay. So for instance, um, the the physical side at at white belt first month is obviously you know how do you punch in you know check in for your class where do you put your belongings where do you you know where do you uh wait to enter into class how do you enter into class and then all the commands on bowing in and uh you know just the the beginning and beginning commands the the exiting commands how you yeah. bow when you leave um, how to teach them how to come to attention and then their ready stance and their sparring stance. I mean, it's real, real basic, but I go through and right. I even say, you know, there's, there's five parts to a, a sparring stance and here's what they are. Um, and so that's the physical portion. Um, and of course the other moves are taught later. So, you know, front kick and round kick, tri-star form number one. I mean, all those things are inside of different months plus, okay. the, uh, plus the self-defense and stuff like that. So I took, took the physical side, broke it down into three months of white belt, but then the mental side of teaching, one of them is uh, they, they, they learn the four rules of teaching, mm -hmm. you know, so explanation, demonstration. Uh, um, I can't think of them now. Um, repetition. What's the other one? Now I can't think of it, but anyways, the I think it's a C, right? CR. Something. Is, yes. D -E yeah. But I can't, yeah. I can't think I, of it right now. But anyways, they learn the four rules of teaching. Um, Correct. Correction. 
Correction. That's it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so, and then also we've got mental things that the, that the, uh, the white belts are learning. So they have to learn the three rules of concentration, uh, the martial arts philosophy. So we, we teach them how to teach those things, but also make sure that they know how to, um, introduce them and connect them in a real way. So meaning the three rules of concentration, they have hand movements and every, every, if you I'm sure I got this from Tom Callis, but you know, focus your eyes, focus your mind and focus your yeah. body. Yeah. And you know, the hand movements that go with it, but it's not just about teach this, teach this, teach this, right. It's, you know, now teach them how to connect that to home, teach them how to connect that to school, teach them how to right. connect that inside the studio so that it's, it's a, it's a trifecta effect where, you know, it's not just happening here at the karate school. And so right. that's the mental side of teaching my storm team members how to teach. And then by the way, not only do they, uh, and uh, oh, so all of those are inside of the app. Oh, I guess my phone is here. All of those are inside the app. Yeah. On our Spark app. So I have videos for every single one of those. Right. And then I created surveys inside there with questions based upon the videos that they watched. And then they have to get, you know, 90% or higher on that test in order to um, then schedule right their physical test mm -hmm. so all the physical moves that they learned how to teach now they got to come in and they got to teach us as if we were a brand new white belt how do you enter class and then they got to explain it where do you punch in they got to explain it where do you put your belongings they got to explain it i mean all of those things and and then they'll pass so if they pass the written test and the physical test then they pass month one then they move on to month two I love it, man. That's a pretty extensive, you know, teaching curriculum. I think that that's quite amazing. So like, even if, um, if I was a parent and I was going to enroll my child in your curriculum, I'd be like, wow, they're really, that's a whole nother level of education other than your, what they initially joined for the kicking and the punching aspect of it. Right. Like, so it's almost like you and I have both done, um, geez, like probably tens and tens of thousands of dollars on self-improvement in our lives, whether it be seminars or books or, you know, courses or Tony Robbins and, you know, and uh, spent thousands and thousands of dollars. And now we're sharing all these years of experience with our leadership team, our storm team, my TLCD, Team Leadership Character Development Program and so on. So it's quite amazing. So do you charge for this program? I do. So, and, and you're going to slap me for it, but it's only $10 more per month. Okay. So it's 120 so, bucks a year. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, now so let me, you ready? You got it. You have to react. Ready? And <laughs> did I go the right way? Maybe I should have went this yeah. way. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, that was actually the way I did it on the screen. So that went down. Okay. So I did it for people who are just listening on the podcast. I did a video smack and Dwayne turned his head. So that's, that's what happened there. <laughs> Yeah, so, so uh, it's it's very very inexpensive. Um, I don't want the money to necessarily be a deterrent. What right. I want is I want to create really really good instructors that I can hire. Right. However, here's the cool thing. And, and by the way, I have another client that we he has a leadership team, and I'm trying to get him to charge, and he refuses to do so um, because he doesn't believe that he should charge them to teach them how to teach. And I try to use the analogy for the school owners that are listening. So you go to school to be a nurse, and then you have to do a residency. 
or you go to school to be a school teacher and then you have to teach and do student teaching. A lot of the times that's free. You go and you dedicate time to learn how to teach in the environment of teaching. So I've always thought that, you know, free stuff or cheap stuff doesn't really give value to what it is. We know that that to be true, but it's important to charge, even if you're charging 10 bucks. But, you know, I, I'll give you an example. My leadership team, I have it on, on uh, audio download. Like people could actually buy my whole entire leadership team with a, a whole year of lessons, student uh, lessons with the, each breakdown on goal setting and time management. Then it has the instructor portion. Um, I'm not saying this to sell it, although it's available on my website, but I had one of my clients buy it, right? And it cost like $200, $199 to get the whole year's worth of lessons. So when he was starting his leadership team, and I charge $50 a month extra for my leadership team, $600 a year. So he called me, he says, I'm, my leadership team, team starts tonight. And I said, oh, how you doing? He goes, oh, it's a little slow. I only got 10 people to sign up. I said, well, hey, listen, that's another 500 bucks a month. He's like, no, I charge $500 a month per student for their tuition. And it's like 350 to be in my leadership team. And I was like, what? You know, and I'm charging 50. He's charging $300 more than I am to do his leadership team with the lessons that I've developed that I give to my students for $50. So it's very valuable. I just want to make sure people understand. And that mindset of, hey, I'm teaching them how to be able to work for me. That's what any college does. That's what any you know, internship program does, you know, my daughter did a lot of freebies uh, over the last year of her college working in as an intern for nothing. I mean, they were working right. her to death. She was doing 50 hours a week. Um, so, so it's important to understand that you should charge for it, uh, at least, you know, at least charge for it, not give it away for free. So I have another question for you. So um, what do you think would be like, you know, we could have a person who's an assistant. They don't have to be the most dynamic. We know that we speak to a lot of instructors. They're not the most dynamic, but I just had a client, a friend who's asked, he's buying a school. And he said, you know, he said to me, he goes, you're a very dynamic teacher. He goes, but I'm not like that. How do I learn how to be charismatic or dynamic? And what are your thoughts on that? Do you have to be, do you, if, no. if you, if you're not, can you learn? Like, what, what do you think? Uh, no, I don't think you have to be. Um, can you learn how to be? Yes, I think to a certain degree. But see, Mr. Bean isn't isn't uh, like me at all. Right. Um, he's very, very even keel the whole time. Uh, although I'll hear him say some jokes that I I do. Right. Um, every now and then. Uh, the 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 and it's funny because uh, you know I hear myself in him all the time. Yeah. But he doesn't present it the same way. Right. Right. You know, I mean, he's not a uh, Ferris Bueller monotone, right? You know, like you're going to fall asleep, but he's just, just right. a very serious guy. So, so the quick answer, no, you don't have to be uh, charismatic like you or necessarily like me. Um, you have to, I, I, charisma is not the key. Connection is the key. Okay. That's and a so good line. You, yeah. So if you're able to make the connection with the student, and they know that you care about them genuinely and that, you know, you have their best interest in mind. You don't have to be the person that's, you know, uh, Tony Robbins jumping off the wall. Not that Tony Robbins jumps off the wall, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to be that energetic. Right. I just wrote, Dwayne said, charisma is not the key. Connection is the key. And that's pretty prophetic. That's a nice, you know, uh, a saying because, um, I, and by the way, I, I think though, 
it really all depends. We think sometimes charisma is like, you know, an actor animated, you know, high and uh, you can have charisma where you could speak softly and still draw people in. You can be dynamic and not be, um, you know, a showman, so to speak. Um, like Mr. Bean would probably have, he probably has a massive amount of charisma and, and dynamics, um, but he's more even keel or more serious. And, and I'm that way too. I like to joke. I like to have fun, but I'm serious. My other guy, sometimes the kids, uh, you know, the guy who runs the dojo with me, Ryan, sometimes the kids don't know which Ryan they're going to get. He's this day. He's energized that day. He's funny this day. He's serious. So sometimes, uh, it's confusing to the kids. Like I'm one way and one way only, you know, that's who I am. I would say, um, another key would be voice inflection using understanding and knowing how and when to use good voice inflection right um would be vital and then also um you know this this was amazing when i i heard this but uh one of the biggest things when you're you know doing a speech or when you're talking to somebody you need the buy-in uh, need right. to make sure they're paying attention. One of the biggest things that you can do is use the pause. Right, the pregnant pause, I call it. Yes, and um, I think that that's that's very dramatic. And I and I've done you know talks about that with with uh, our storm team because we we talk about voice inflection. And right. um, I said, listen, just just picture your or you know imagine your favorite song, and if if the beats all ran into one another and there was never any uh, time in between the beats where there wasn't any music or there wasn't a break or if right. it just kept going and going and going and going and going and going and there's it, like that song would be annoying. Yeah. It, the and, causes and, in music are just as important as the music. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, being a guitar player, even knowing like my uh, taking lessons, like doing the same drill over and over and over again gets pretty, even if it's incredible after a few times, it gets incredibly boring. Right. So um, that, that's interesting. And um, I think that, I, for example, uh, I just talked to a friend of mine who does public speaking and he did something and I was listening to him and within a two minute time frame, he said, uh, um, you know, and cool, like 40 times within two minutes. He doesn't even realize it because when we're looking for words to say, instead of what I just did, I paused a bit. I, you know, I would fill that with something because we think that the brain needs to have sound in order for it to make impact. Right. So I would say, you know, and, uh, the other day, uh, I went, um, you know, uh, huh, cool. Listen. And, and, you know, like all of a sudden that becomes jumbled. And it doesn't make any sense. And it sounds like you don't know how to speak in public. So we have to always, even yourself and myself, I have to constantly remind myself, stop saying, um, stop saying, uh-huh, or, you know, or like, you know, those things and, and take that pregnant pause. So, so you think public speaking is a big part of being a dynamic or charismatic or a um, engaging, engaging uh, teacher. I would say, yeah, engaging and connecting teacher, public speaking is very important. And public speaking, again, doesn't have to be a, you know, you don't have to necessarily be a dynamic public speaker. So you don't have to be Zig Ziglar. You don't have to be Tony Robbins. Right. Because I'll tell you, um, Dan Kennedy is 
a really good public speaker, but he is totally different than Zig Ziglar. Right. Dan Kennedy is not, uh, and I did the, oh, uh, he's, he's not as charismatic. Right. You know, as Zig Ziglar is, I would say Dan Kennedy is just straight to the point. He, he's going to give you the meat and potatoes, you no know, other fillers. Uh, there, there are some jokes that he'll throw in, yeah. and, but he's just a different speaker, but right. he's able to communicate what he's trying to get across. Right to you so yes public speaking hands down is one of the best things that you can do as a martial arts instructor yeah there's another thing that i think is very overlooked in teaching and i i love this movie it was with brand brendan frazier it was called inkheart inkheart was a movie about him being this guy called the wordsmith and and any of the stories that he told would come to life and they didn't have books they would only be passed down from storyteller to storyteller and the and the books or the stories would come to life and i thought it was pretty cool because it made me think a lot of what we do in class like when we're when we're teaching martial arts we should have a way to explain it and show relevance for example when i do this move it works really great and when i was younger i got into a real fight and the person did this and this and i used this move or when i was about uh, you know a bouncer or a security guard or you know a bounty hunter whatever your life is like this is how i used and, and those the wordsmithing uh, is a great way for you to get your point across as well and develop a charismatic type of, you know, when you draw people in to, to your lesson, make it so something that they could remember via via a story. I think that's something that's overlooked in this day and age. Yeah. So building that bench strength is going to be highly important for your sanity, but yeah. also also just long the longevity of your student. The, the longer they're with you, the more impact True. you can make on them. And I don't just necessarily mean like for yourself where you monetarily are going to make more money because they're with you longer. Although that's true. Just the depth of your relationship. Because right. you, 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 you know as well as I do, the longer that you are with someone, the deeper the relationship in most cases becomes. Yeah. And by the way, too, that... Um see i'm now you and i are both super conscious of the ums and the uhs right or like like i just said um uh, i think that when a person travels along the journey of the martial arts it, it starts off as just purely physical learning martial arts then in order you know i've always said i became a great teacher by teaching but also by you know but not just training like when i started to teach i really solidified my martial art technique and then when i traveled around the world teaching different languages and different places i was able to become an even better teacher because i had to now capture a group's attention that i've never met before i'd have people trying me out and testing me out to see if the moves work so i had to know that they worked um but it was so important for me especially to teach and i think that that's what makes martial artists better so they're different levels in which a student's journey continues and part of that should be assisting in teaching and eventually mentoring and being a role model to others and then eventually hopefully maybe doing it part-time or full-time or just because you love it sharing the art with others because you have a passion for it and then giving back to your instructor nowadays people are very much one-sided i'm paying you tuition i get my lessons that's it years ago I, I still would do anything for my teachers. Like I, I would 
buy them. My teacher would call me up, well, hey, I really like that sword you use in that video. I'd like one, you know, and I'd package one up and ship it to him. You know what I mean? And that's just because of my dedication, my my reverence and my loyalty to my instructor. So that layer upon layer that you're giving them as they become instructors and assistants and SWAT team members gives them a deeper appreciation for the art and it gives them a much more fulfilling experience. Yep, I agree. Yeah. So uh, Rick Kellerman, Sifu Kellerman, who we just had breakfast this morning, he said, making the story example relevant to all different types of students is the key. Yeah, isn't that true? You know, and by the way, you could change and alter the story. Sometimes I'm like, hey, you ever hear the story of the scorpion and the frog? And all the kids are like, yes. And I'm like, okay, I told it already. I get it. Let me give you another story. You know, and sometimes I'll make stories up or whatever it is. But um, you want to tie in that lesson and get that attention span. I think that's important. So what would you think? And we only have like 12 minutes left. What do you think a good a school owner should start doing? Maybe like a few things to start to build their bench strength, build their insistent instructors and, you know, some step action steps they could take. Well, you know, look, I would say always maybe, uh, especially if you're a one person show, have have the belt above help you with the belt below. You know, okay. whether it's, you know, uh, learning the new, you know, or reinforcing the new kick or the new punch or the new form or, or what or the new self-defense move, just having them work with them for 30 seconds or three minutes or, or you know, not necessarily teaching the whole thing. Right. But just working with them uh, in that. I think that's the easiest level to start off with. And the two things that happen is, you know, one you get to be freed up so that you can move around and make sure that everybody knows what they're supposed to know. But then the, secondarily to that is the individuals that, that that's helping, they get a kick out of that. Like right. they are extremely proud that you ask them to assist you. And then lastly, there is a third benefit. The student that is getting helped there's two parts to this. The student that's getting help sometimes might pick up the information better from another student. Yeah. And second to that go, wow, I can't wait until I get to do this with someone else. Yeah. You know what? And what you said was super important because sometimes coming from us, the higher hierarchy or the head instructor, it's intimidating, but go, you know, going like, Hey, go learn that from your buddy. Who's a white belt, you know, that you've been training with. And then they could like, they feel less uncomfortable. And I think that that's, that's very important that you just said that. So I think a portion of the instructor training program or whatever leadership program that you have, you should have your assistants helping in the classroom that they're in. And by the way, that's why in my school, if you're in our TL TLCD program, they wear blue keys. Now, not all of them want to wear, because we wear black in general, but they wear a blue quilted judo gi when they're doing leadership teams. Some of them wear it only to the leadership team classes, which I think is silly. Ultimately, my goal was to have everyone who's in leadership team wear the blue gis for, for two reasons. One, when a parent's watching on the monitors or seeing the class, they're going, hey, she and Allie's all by himself. Now they see four or five blue gis and they go, what are those blue gis? Oh, those, those are all assistants. And by the way, even if they're just there to do their class, if I need them at any given moment, I'd look around the room and pick a blue gi, a leadership team member. And that, and then also they'll say, why do they have blue keys? Another way you sell the program. I'm going, oh, they're in our leadership team. You want to hear about it? Yeah, I'd love to. So it's, there's a few layers of why I wear a different color uniform and they have a beautiful patch and it makes them proud. Like we wear blue geese, black top, but 
I give the student the whole gi, the blue gi top and pants, even though they don't wear the pants. The other day, my guy was first time wearing his uniform, came with his blue gi and his blue pants, the only blue. And I'm like, what are you in the blue man group? You know, like that kind of thing. And everyone was busting his chops. And I'm like, what are, where, why are you wearing a blue? You know, and it was funny, but uh, he was so excited to be in his uniform. And that's important as well. So that that's really good. So, okay. So that, what, what are a few others? Any other ones? Um, what's the question? We were talking about like, um, I, I don't know, actually. No, we were talking about making sure that we, you know, some of the things that we, the characteristics, I think, or the, you know, the benefits of it. I don't, I, I'm, I lost track of it too. Sorry. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't remember what the original question was, but yeah, we can't re rewind it. Yeah, exactly. So let's, let's finish up. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, I do think that, um, and I hope the, the listeners already have some sort of, you know, program or programs that, that you know, help to cultivate this right. opportunity for right. their school, but also for the student. Because yeah. ultimately, yes, you as a student, uh, studio owner, you get a benefit of having a bench strength. But what it actually does for the student, I think, is even more important. And, you know, like I remember uh, one storm team meeting that I had where I asked one of the storm team members, and I think she was like 12 or 13 years of age, mm -hmm. one of my second degree black belts. So she had been with me for six years or a little bit more. And I said, what's one thing that you, you know, that you've learned by being a student here or being on the storm team? And this was kind of funny. She said, well, I, I, I know how to handle jerks because you, you, you oh, yeah. a jerk. Yeah, yeah. And I go, what? And she goes, well, I go, can you, like, I've been a jerk to you. And she said, well, because you've been tough on me and, you know, you'd yell at me and, you know, put me in different scenarios and stuff. I, I, I now know how to handle when people do that to me. Right. And I go, okay. All right. I'll I'll take that I guess like I didn't know that was being a jerk but I guess I'll take that right yeah and I think at her level with regards to her age and her communication ability that that was a compliment and and I did I did ask I said so is this a good thing or a bad thing she says oh no no it's a good thing I said okay oh, okay that's, all right good that's, that's fine yeah but the reason I bring that up is because I think sometimes just like we should with all of our students you know we we. A good presentation. A good presentation includes somebody that's going to tell you what they're going to tell you. Then they tell you, and then they tell you what they told you. Right. But I think a good follow-up to that is there needs to be a reminder of what you've learned as well up until this point. Right. Right. I think that also helps to cultivate some depth within your ranks. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we even do this too, where we take for granted the information that we've learned or the individuals that we've learned them from um, or the people that have helped us along the way. So to take time to reflect and, you know, look at that and show respect for that or reverence for that, I think is important. So I think that's another thing that needs to be instilled into your, your, your program, whether, whether yeah. it's your program in total or whether it's your program just in the leadership or the storm, whatever you want to call it. Yes. I, I think that that's vitally important to do some reflection, you know, inside of maybe every three months, every six months, every year, whatever it is. But and I think the smart thing to do would be to strategically put that into your programs so that 
you're just getting that buy-in over and over and over again. Yeah, I agree. Um, I have two two thoughts. One is also too like with my, I just had a call to God meeting with one of my black belt young kids who's an assistant who's actually on payroll, um, and uh, he was being disrespectful, talking when he shouldn't have. He's kind of feeling his oats, like you know, and and I'd say something, and rather than him saying yes, sir, he'd say, oh yeah, because you know, you know, like always had something back to say, and then um, we wear tabby shoes with the split toe on our feet. I'm like, why don't you have your tabbies on? Because I don't feel like in front of the whole class, I don't feel like wearing them. Like, so I'm like you in my office right now. And I like reamed him out. I said, listen, if this happens again, you're done. You're not teaching. You're off a of payroll. You're not assisting. You're out of helping. And all you do is come to your classes and that's it. And if you don't like that, you could also quit and go somewhere else. And I thought maybe like, cause I was hard on him. He's 14, but he's a big boy. He's been with me since he's three or four. And I thought I was going to lose him, but he ended up coming in the last two days with a new and improved attitude. So you have to always hold people to a higher standard that are in your leadership team, because we want them to be the rock stars of our school. We want everyone to go, Hey, I want my son to, to act like senpai so-and-so or that leadership team or that SWAT team member. Not only is that good for their, their kids, but it's also good to promote our program because look at the difference of the way people act when they're in that program. Right. Makes right. sense. Yep. Totally makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And I think, uh, uh, for me, having Mr. Bean in charge uh, is is golden because right. he is a, a rule follower more than me. Um, yeah, and That's good. Uh, he has those high standards, and he expects you know what it, he inspects what he expects, and yeah. but he also sets the expectations ahead of time as well. So I love it. Yeah, and by the way, isn't that what's and you know I don't want to get into the world today, but isn't that what's wrong with the world today, where we're allowing people to rob up to eight hundred dollars worth of merchandise? We're allowing kids. I saw a video on on TikTok or YouTube where these kids are on motocross bicycles, BMX bikes, riding through a supermarket and kicking women, children as they were riding wheelies on on go cams through the supermarket and no one's stopping them like it be, back in the day that would have been a, a, a sidekick into the counter and and a beaten behind the supermarket by the local guy like you know like you'd see in a mafia movie where they, i forget what movie that is where they come in to start a fight these bikers and then he asks them nicely to leave and then they don't leave and then he finally walks over and locks the door and he says now you can't leave and the bikers say oh yeah and they laugh and then all the mafia guys come out and beat the crap out of everybody. Like there's always got to be some, uh, you know, repercussions for your actions. And I think as a standard of oh, the Bronx tale who, who wrote that, uh, I think it was Rick or somebody wrote it. Um, but, uh, but anyway, I think that that's, you know, oh, Phil, my, Phil is one of my students from back in the nineties. And uh, yeah, so it's super important for us to hold that standard in our school. And uh holding the leadership team and the senseis to a super high standard only makes them better. And I think that that's important. We forget to do that. And we're afraid to at times when we can't be, we're, we're, you know, we're running the, the last line of defense to keep these people out of, out of, you know, getting in trouble and being, you know, troublemakers. So that's where the place where that should happen. Well, and I think we should be known for tough love. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the military is even getting soft. Like you don't want to yeah. run and you can't run. They're like, okay, then you could quit. Like who? It used to be if you didn't listen in the military, you took your toothbrush and you scrubbed toilets and then ran 15 miles with a backpack filled with bricks in it. Now they they're contacting the military attorney 
and they're getting yelled at for treating people harshly. I mean, it's crazy that this is the the fiercest group in the world to defend our country and we're raising them as if they were like, you know, powder puffs. I mean, it's crazy what goes on. But anyway, so yeah, so I think this is a great call. I hope that the people listening got something out of it because for me, you have to have a bench, you know, you have to have a bench strength of instructors to help you because I would never be able to do what I do unless I did have that. Yep. Agreed. Oh, right, since, well, thanks, sensei, Toby, sensei Toby just hopped in and he said, uh, hey, guys, 299. Yes, this is our 299. By the way, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, you know, Sensei. Uh, next week, we're going to do our 300th episode. And I want to give out uh, 10 of my books for free to the first 10 listeners that are on there and and I'll pay for everything my book my shipping everything to you guys so I just wanted to give that out as a little you know a gift to everyone for being on our 300th podcast can you imagine that's just we've been doing 300 of these Dwayne yeah well I can imagine it I was I was here for all of them wasn't I, I know <laughs> yeah I know, but it, it seems like it hasn't been going on that long, but how many, it's probably like four years, right? Uh, four, four or five. I mean, we it, we didn't hit every single week, but yeah. Right. But I enjoy being with you, Dwayne, every week. It makes my day and makes my week better. So thanks for being you and I appreciate it. So yeah, let's, uh, let's keep it going. And next week we'll give out that giveaway. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks a lot, sir. I just want to remind everybody to uh, go to schoolownertalk.com. Uh, there is a plethora of, uh, of information that's uh, on there with regards to uh, the past podcasts. And so now you have 299 podcasts to go listen to, unless you're listening to this one right now, and then you have 298 to catch up. Yeah. Thanks, and Alex. you can, you could also look it up based on topic. So if you want to find out about retention, you just plug it in, right. And it'll pop it up. Yes, sir. Uh, awesome. All right. Very cool. Thanks, Dwayne. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Martial Arts School Owner Talk podcast. This would not be possible if it weren't for the support of our amazing sponsors. Please check out Elite Insights for all your website needs. LeadHunterMedia.com, your online digital marketer and content provider. Academy Kings BJJ Growth Consulting and Management Group at GrowMyAcademy.com. SparkMembership.com, hands down the best martial arts software for school owner management on the planet. Get KarateStudents.com, a martial arts growth consulting company for all your systems. Add HealthCoaching.com, helping school owners create a whole other revenue stream for their school. We will see you next time.